With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's the Gardner-Webb Coaches Show Podcast. Here's your host, Phil Constantino. Welcome in as we record this edition of the Gardner-Webb Coaches Show Podcast. It's Thursday. January 19th, and at this current moment, the Gardner-Webb women's basketball team is off to its best conference start in its 21-year Division I history. 15-4 overall, 7-0 in the Big South, two-game lead on first place, and last night dispatched of Longwood at home, 83-71. So seven straight wins. That means, of course, we head to the office of one of our favorite guests on this program, Alex Simmons. She's the head coach of the Gardner-Webb women's basketball team. Coach Simmons, since the last time we spoke, the winning, it hasn't slowed at all. I imagine you're happy. Uh, you know what? I am happy. Um, obviously, a coach being a coach, you know, you can find all the things that we need to get better at still, um, all the things where we need to improve, we need to tweak. Um, but right now, you know, I think uh, we're playing okay. We're playing really well on the offensive end, but I still think, you know, on the defensive end, there's things that we could get better at. So what do you want to see improved specifically on the defensive end? You know, I thought we took a couple of steps in the right direction after our Asheville game. Um, I believe we held them to 45 points. And we've been making goals before the game um, as far as what we want to hold teams to, which is – most of the time under their average. Um, we took a couple steps backwards um, against our long, in our Longwood game um, by allowing them to score 71. I think our goal was 55 that we wanted to keep them at. Um, you know, defensively, you know, I think when you look at our stats, you know, Jess has kind of fallen a little bit when it comes to her steals. Um, Lay leads the league um, in steals. However, um, I think she's call, kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, and then I think we're just allowing way too many open shots for the other team. It seems to me like when you separate yourself from the conference, and with Campbell losing to Radford last night, you now have a two-game lead on first place. I think everyone knows who's the best team this year in the regular season. But when you separate yourself from the conference, you have to find little goals to keep your team motivated. Is that part of it too, just to keep them motivated every single game and not get complacent? It is because that's what keeps me up at night is complacency. Um, I think this year we're um, unique in that I want them to have individual goals going into each of our games. Um, I want them to be a little bit selfish when it comes to reaching those goals. Um, you know, 
a, a, a goal where Kiari Kane wants to get six plus assists a game. Um, and then when you look at her teammates, well, her teammates actually have to make their shots in order for her to get those assists. So all of our goals are kind of full circle where, you know, Alaysia has to perform in order for Key to get her goals. And Jess has to do what she does in order for Bev to get her goals. Um, you know, we have to finish in the paint in order to open it up for Jess. So all those things are kind of um, – they all react off of each other. And I think that's where we're a little bit different this year is they hear about their individual goals a lot more than, you know, what most um, what most coaching staffs would want teams to be thinking about. The noise on the outside of the program, and I've asked you a version of this question in past podcast. The noise on the outside of the program is they're the league favorites. They should win the title this year. And you and I know the most important thing and the hardest thing to do is cut down the nets on championship Sunday because that's the only guarantee into the NCAA tournament Mm -hmm. out of this conference, and that's the goal for the program. But there are still, until that point, let's see, we have uh, 11 games left in league play, then three conference tournament games. So there's 14 games uh, until that point. Do you ever hear any chatter amongst your players about cutting down the net already, and, and how do you handle that, given that there is still so much that could go wrong until then that has to be controlled and has to be focused on? Uh, You know, I want them to think that they're the best team in the league. Um, I want them to have that confidence. I think that when they think that, I'll use Jess, for example. Jess has had a triple-double. She's had multiple double-doubles. You know, she can score. She can rebound. She plays multiple positions. So in knowing that, when she doesn't perform and what she doesn't produce, it's a disappointment. So I want them to think that they are the best team in the league because if they don't perform as if they're the best team in the league, more than likely we give another team a chance to either beat us or we give another player a chance to outperform us. Jessica Williams, this would be now just a little over a week ago. First triple-double in program history, 28 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists, and she did it in the third quarter. First thing. You ever seen a triple-double in person before? Because I know I have not, and I unfortunately was not at that game. Yeah, I've never seen one in person. No, I haven't had anybody. Yeah, I've never seen one in person. All the great players you played with. Yeah, none. At the highest levels of college basketball in Tennessee. None. Teams you've coached with in the SEC, group of five leagues, others. Nope, none. Not in person. What's witnessing that like? You know, I don't – honestly, I don't even know if I was aware until the third quarter that – she was on track to get it. Um, main reason because you could tell it wasn't forced. All everything that she did, it just came to her. Um, the assist that she got, help up, dump down. It, everything just came to her. Um, so I think that's why. To for me personally, it was a quiet triple double because I had no idea. I expect her to score and I expect her to rebound. Um, obviously, the thing that you don't necessarily expect her to do because she is a scorer is to have a lot of assists. Um, so when she did it, it was just, you know, I knew that some of our post players had more points than what they would normally have. But um, the, the game, that game, it just everything came to her. Program history. That's never been done before mm-hmm. at Gardner-Webb. You're just ticking off the boxes of all things <laughs> that haven't been done. Best start in conference play in Division One, triple-double. That had never been done. And, and it's kind of... I don't know, you think of the history of the school, the program, dating back to pre-Division 1 days, you would think that 
Someone had to do it. Right. And it's been done four or five times on the men's side. Never been done on the women's side. That's well, remarkable. And somebody said to me the other day, when you, you know, recruited Jess and brought her here, did you know she would be capable of, you know, the effect that she's had um, on our program? And I said, absolutely not. Because I didn't even know what position Jess was. Um, <laughs> when she, same kind of same thing with Lay. I didn't know what position they were. Um, but, you know, when you think about that buy-in, she ha- I knew she had the buy-in after her freshman year. Um, and a lot of, you know, outsiders looking in, they think, oh, this is easy. But Jess also has a lot of pressure on her, in particular coming from me. Um, and to be the first, that's something that, you know, I think she takes it to heart. Um, right now, I think she's trying to do it again. But the difference is it just came to her the first time. So making her see that, just let it come to you and it'll happen because she's that good of a player right now. Um, but to be the first, I think more importantly for her family, that's just that's just something to be proud of, something for her to be proud of, that she's representing um, our school, she's representing her family. Um, it's something that obviously nobody else is going to be able to say that they were the first because she's always going to be the first. You mentioned her career when you first got her here five years ago, and she was your first recruit. I remember you telling me the story before you even had a staff in place. But even thinking back to this summer, I don't think that I expected this kind of performance or numbers. Did did you expect triple-double performance and numbers? Even going back to this summer when she made noise amongst the league by deciding to come back and use her COVID year. Well, I think as a a fifth year, as a senior – you know, you see things a little bit differently. And Jess chose, in particular this summer, um, and even going into here recently, she decided to put more work and more focus in on her craft, which is basketball. Um, So where now you see her in the gym, you know, getting workouts in with her teammates. Normally, if I'm being honest, you wouldn't see that her junior, sophomore, freshman year. Um, You know, being just mad when she doesn't shoot the ball well. Um, She's shooting in the 60s on her free throw line. She's getting to a point where she's not happy with underperforming. Um, And not that she was happy before when she would underperform, but it just didn't affect her how it does now. Um, And I always say, you know, I think our our last game last year still weighs heavy on her, um, our whole team, but in particular on her. Five times this year. She's been named Big South Player of the Week. The record for a single season is nine. There are still six weeks left. I don't know if she'll get it this week because Lauren Bevis scored 26 last night. (laughs) (laughs) But um, there are still six weeks left. She is tied for the fifth most all-time in a single season in league history. And this is going back to 1989 that this has been tracked. That means that Jessica Williams is having one of the greatest years in the history of Big South women's basketball. Mm -hmm. That's what that means. Mm-hmm. I I don't know that anyone could say they saw that coming. I don't know that you, as confident as you are in her, could say you saw that coming. Yeah, no, I'll admit that. You know, you just don't. I didn't didn't predict that. Um, I think, based off of what her goals were, though, going into this season, I think she was very determined um, to be the player of the year this year. Um, you know, her thing has always been it's going – obviously, Lay was a preseason. So, as long as it's me or Lay, it don't matter. Um, but it's got to be me or Lay. Do you think that, given Alaysia's success, preseason player of the year, that maybe early in the season 
that opened up Jess for a few more opportunities that maybe Alasia was at the top of team scouting reports. Mm. And now, now that Jessica is the presumptive player of the year in the conference, that that's starting to change a little bit, that maybe she's being guarded a little bit differently in the last couple of games. What what do you see as far as the, the pressure and the expectation and the way teams treat it? Um, you know, honestly, it's not Alasia and it's not Bev. In my opinion, it's Kiari Kane. Um, when you look at our stats, you know, where look at her stats from last year, compare her stats this year. She's opened it up for Alasia and Jess, to be honest, where, you know, teams really didn't guard her. Um, they gave her space. They packed the lane. They helped off of her. This year, you know, when you look at her percentages, when you look at her performance and her productivity, you can't do that anymore with her. Um, so I think it's more of her more than it is Alasia, more than it is of um, Lauren on the court. What that answer describes is an offensive end of the floor that comes at you in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Lauren Bevis, Kiari Kane, Jessica Williams, Alasia Smith. And then there are games that even Lakin Cox will get hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michaela Funderburg can get hot from three. It's a team that offensively comes at you in just so many ways. How do – I mean, what's the – is there a way to guard it? Is there is there a secret sauce of – I don't know. What is – how do you stop it? You know – I don't think there is. Obviously, you know, people have tried to zone press us a little bit, which we've struggled with. Um, You know, we haven't really dealt with any doubling on ball, doubling in the post. Um, But I I think that it is when you're looking at the scout, when you're looking at preparation and you see, you know, four players in double figures, almost five, people coming off the bench who are shooters, who are offensive-minded. You have, you know, defensive-minded people coming off the bench in Sarah. Um, you have bigs coming off the bench. And not only do you have one big, but you have multiple bigs. So I think we are, you know, a tough scout. Um, and it's also a scout where you can't necessarily – most of the time when you go into that situation, you're thinking, okay, let's pick our poison. But then when there's four poisons and you don't really know which one to pick, it's, again, it's a hard scout. Um where I think last year, Lay and Jess had to perform for us to win. Um, this year, you know, not that anybody is going to take an off night, but if somebody does have an off night, we have three others that we hope that we can depend on. Last night, in the 12-point victory over Longwood, Alasia Smith picked up her third foul in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. So three first-half fouls. That is not an uncommon position. Uh, I think back to... Was it the East Carolina game? She yeah. had three fouls in five minutes and yeah. played five minutes only in the first half versus a team from the American Conference, one of those where you're kind of playing up, if you will. Um, but Alasia goes out with three fouls in the first half. The ability to come at the defensive or the opponent in so many different ways. First off, how much does that lead to your decision to actually leave Alasia in the game with two fouls in the first half? It seems like that weighs heavy on that decision Mm -hmm. yeah sometimes it's just game flow you know um she she's a smart enough player a lot of her fouls come from over hustling which it's insane to say even say that somebody can over hustle but she plays so hard that sometimes she gets herself in a predicament whether that's over helping um playing too hard things like that so you know, sometimes I can we can play her when she has those two fouls. Um, sometimes she just gets unlucky where she's bigger or she's stronger and somebody can, for lack of better terms, flop and it's a foul on her. 
Um, sometimes with game flow, if it's a tight game, we have to play her with two. Um, but last year, would you have won these games? Not, not only would you have maybe not kept her in in the first half, but would you have won all of these games with her in the foul trouble that she's been in? No, because last year I don't think Kiari Kane's production was where it is now. Like I've always said that she is the X factor. And that's what makes you guys such a tough guard. Yes. When when you have four people, including your point guard, most teams, a lot of teams don't have a scoring point guard. Um, so when you have one of your four double-digit um, averagers as a point guard, that's tough to guard. So when you're winning like this, it's 2.30 on Thursday. What are you doing the rest of the day? You're dominating everyone. Yeah, we're keeping it. We, ba- <laughs> I'm a creature of my habits, so I'm the same way with our program. So practicing at 3.30, watch film before, personnel. Um, for me, myself, I'm watching film. Um, just had a couple of player meetings. Um, you know, we kind of keep it the same way regardless of who we're playing. Our schedule is pretty much the same, same thing every week. This uh, opponent on Saturday, Winthrop, Head coach Samika Randall-Lay, one of the Meeks from the Tennessee yeah. teams back in the uh, late 90s. What's your relationship like with Coach Meek? Um, I think we're very similar in our coaching styles. Um, very good relationship. When we compete, we compete. But off the court, you know, if it's not game day, if we're not leading up to um, playing each other, um, we can always talk basketball, talk um, whatever's going on in our game. Um you know, we have a very good relationship, and I think you can probably see some similarities in the way we coach. She's a few years older than you, but that Tennessee connection, you knew her before you guys got connected yeah. to get in this league, right? Yeah. Yeah, she was she's, she was at Cincinnati, I believe, and I was at Ole Miss. So through, you know, recruiting, um, being on the road and things like that, we've, we've crossed paths um, plenty of times. What is the Tennessee connection like among alumni of – Pat Summit's program. I think especially in the coaching world, you'll find that a lot of us think the same and have the same philosophies, um, whether it's how we challenge our players, um, whether it's style of play, things like that. I think um, just because of outside of Tennessee where Samika has come from, she probably plays a little bit more zone than I would be comfortable with, but um, the intensity and the aggressiveness of that zone is very similar. How much of this is in the back of your mind as you game plan for them? That None it's of be it. Similar? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just wonder if, like, there are any Pat Summit Tennessee principles that you know you run that if there's that Tennessee connection and that Pat influence, well, Samika probably runs a lot of it. And how does that change the game plan as well? I don't yeah, I don't think it's necessarily, like, you know, sets and things like that. I just think it's more so of a, of a philosophy thing. Mm. Um but, yeah, none of it goes into play at all, to be honest. Well, you play them Saturday, 2 p.m. at Paul Porter Arena. For tickets, GWUsports.com. That's GWUsports.com for tickets. Radio coverage will be on ESPNCLT.com at 1.30 and the TV on ESPN+. Plus. 2 p.m. tip. Coach Simmons, thanks for the time. You're great on the podcast. Good luck. Thank you. And I hope that everybody comes out on Saturday at 2 o'clock because we definitely, when we have the crowd, you can just tell we have a different pep in our step. Listen to Coach Simmons. Come on out. That does it for this edition of the Gardner-Webb Coaches Show podcast. Until next time, I'm your host, Phil Constantino. Let's go dogs. 
The Gardner-Webb Coaches Show podcast is a presentation of the Runnin' Bulldog Sports Network. Any reproduction, retransmission, or other use of this podcast without the express written consent of Gardner-Webb Athletics is strictly prohibited. The Gardner-Webb Coaches Show podcast is presented by McDonald's, by Pepsi, by PNC Bank, by Randy Marion Chevrolet Buick Cadillac, by Chick-fil-A, and by Nilon Cole Termite and Pest Control. You've been listening to the Gardner-Webb Coaches Show podcast on the Running Bulldogs Sports Network. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.